Abysses, aka responsible, proper, social distance shit talking from spare bedrooms across exurban Atlanta. Welcome to the Godless Looters Podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Don. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jerry. This is a podcast by atheists that talks about a lot of things, not just atheism. We will challenge your assumptions and ours too. Definitely not here to preach to the atheist choir, but to critique, ridicule, and poke fun at anyone, especially ourselves. So join us as we examine the crossroads of politics and religion from this secular perspective. Remember, don't believe everything you hear in this podcast or anywhere else for that matter until you've independently verified it for yourself. In other words, duck, duck, go that shit. Episode 70. That's a lot of episodes. Three years in a couple of months. In like five more episodes, we're at American retirement age. <laughs> <laughs> and then you die. Oh, well, unless you die sooner from the COVID. That's true. <laughs> Go ahead and give them our bona fides, Jerry. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. Need to sip. Yep. Oh, man, that's two weeks in a row. Oh, no. Could be two misses. Strike two. Please subscribe so I can buy better beer. Whoa, no. Please, if you could, on your podcast app of choice, give us five stars if we are worthy. If we are not worthy, please let us know at Twitter at Godless Podcast, at the increasingly besieged Facebook, and I couldn't say that with a happier face, or email us at godlessheathens at yahoo.com like Scott did to give us some technical advice that Jeff's mic was low. We appreciate it, Scott. So how am I coming in now? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to tell him Jeff's just low. I'm a low talker. When we're in the same room, we would move the mic closer to Jeff and and further away from me and Jerry as as best we could. That is true. That's an uphill battle, Scott. Been fighting it for almost three years now. I just don't like to spread my vapor. At least you're conscious of your droplets. (laughs) (laughs) So since I've already started the beer, I am drinking a Yama John's 2018 bourbon barrel aged Belgian dark strong ale with figs, plums, cinnamon, and nutmeg. That sounds awesome. Doesn't it? It is from Birds Fly South (laughs) in Greenville, home of Bob Jones University, the most anti-godless looters podcast university in the area. And I have had two sips, two of the three required sips before I can pass judgment on it. And so far... It's no good, so I may be leaving after a minute or two to surreptitiously get another beer. I am curious. What is wrong with it? Uh, There's nothing right with it. (laughs) Wow. Total failure. It's not like it's too boozy? No, it's it's not too boozy. It doesn't have... Oh. Ooh. Maybe it's my taste buds. The third did it? Maybe I I can't taste and smell and I got the COVID. Oh, jeez. I may have let it sit in the beer fridge for too long, too. It's a 2018. You know, but I was aging it. I've had beer older than that, and it should be still okay. Well, you tell them about your beer. I'm getting another one. Okay. Well, I took a chance, 
and went to the back of my fridge, and I got out one that was a bomber I bought a while back. This is a 2019 from Burnt Hickory Brewery. Hopefully they're still around. And this is the Noggin Knocker Eggnog Stout. So it's July, and they always say Christmas in July, so I figured that would be kind of appropriate. Um, but it's a 13 percenter. Wow. And so what are you drinking, sir? I got another Old Vine Lodi Zinfandel. This is a Klein Family Cellars, uh, uh, 2017. Just another Old Vine Zin. See, I like drinking stuff that was produced prior to 2020. This reminds <laughs> me of a simpler time. Well, this is 2017, so this is a good year into his bullshit. So That's the same age as my next beer. Oh. So I went for an even older beer, Jeff. It is my last bottle of Bell's Black Note Stout from 2017. Oh, that's got to be good. It is stout aged in bourbon barrels, and if I remember correctly, it is the most expensive four-pack I have ever bought in my life. So if it's not good, I may just start to weep. Well, choke up and take a swing, because you got two strikes on you. Man, for sure. Why did you change the name of the podcast this week? Well, we've alluded to it, each one of us, uh, once so far. But yeah, there was a sheriff in Clay County, Florida, that came out and said he was going to deputize anybody with a gun so that they could shoot the godless looters of the Black Lives Matter protest movement. In solidarity, we have called ourselves the godless looters. And he's black. He is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dang. Oh, yeah, yeah. And an African-American Republican. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That is, that is some screwed up kind of stuff. He's checking going on boxes, there. man. Wow. He brought up God often in his statement. And was this a public statement or on an, on the Facebook page or? Oh, the letter. So it wasn't just uh, you know a personal Facebook page. This is like official statement here. An official release of the Clay County Sheriff's Department. Correct. Wow. And he knows that the uh, Black Lives Matter people are godless. How? Because he doesn't agree with them. Which is law and order. So if you're not for law and order, you're godless heathen. No, not law and order. His version of it. <laughs> he was talking about people looting. And this is Jacksonville, Florida, is the part of Florida that we're talking about. But if Black Lives Matter had a protest and give them the benefit of the doubt, whether it's Black Lives Matter protesters or outside agitators that came in and started looting and rioting, it doesn't matter for what he's talking about. Deputizing armed citizenry to shoot at will at people. You know what this reminds me of? That husband and wife in St. Louis that were standing on the front of their mansion. Ken and Karen? Because they were going to be looted by these people and they, they were going to They were terrorized. Have... You, just, you saw them on, on Cuomo. Yep. And they were there. They were going to burn down the house that he spent all his money to, to redo. And anybody that is not in their mindset, they need to be armed and, and be ready to shoot on sight. It's going to happen. I, I believe it's going to happen. It kind of already is. I mean, he didn't open fire or anything, but somebody's going to. There, there was a video in suburban Detroit. There was a, a, a minor, basically, scuffle where two people, it, it felt like very high school, like, you know, walking down the hall and somebody kind of puts a shoulder into you. Ah. It ended up with this white woman pulling a gun mm. and basically threatening to shoot. You have an armed citizenry. What does anybody expect to happen? These people are not 
well-trained. They're in the reptilian mind when they're waving their gun around with their finger on the trigger. What happens if that finger accidentally slips? Well, the fact that they're waving the gun around with, with their finger on the trigger just shows that they know nothing about handling a, a firearm properly. I mean, if you watch the video, at one point, the barrel of the gun is pointed directly at her midsection for a couple of seconds as she walks by him. And when she walks around behind him, she is pointing the gun at the back of his head. Yeah, so these are not well-trained. No, they don't know what the hell they're doing. We're setting ourselves up for a scary time. No, no, no. We're not setting ourselves up for it. We're in it. We're actually deep in it. It's interesting that you say that we're setting ourselves up for it because it kind of feels like you don't want to believe it. Well, no, what I mean by that is that had they pulled the trigger, even if they didn't hit somebody, that's where things are going to get. I mean, what they did was was wild enough, but had they pulled the trigger accidentally or not, that's taking it to a whole new level. I mean, to brandish your gun is one thing, but to actually use it, at this point, it's not orchestrated or coordinated, but I do see that coming the way things are headed. What frightens me, too, and I think we've talked about this before in the podcast, is I'm kind of concerned that if Trump loses, that these nuts are going to come out of the woodwork to try to take the country back with weaponry. That's that's what worries me. So that's not that far away. No. Serious question. What are you going to do to prepare for it? Mm, hunker down in my basement. Just <laughs> No, I don't know. Serious question. I don't know. I, I don't have a serious... Because I think about it. And I also, on the kind of the same line of gloom, is what happens if they blatantly steal the election? Or if he just refuses to leave. It was rigged. Fake news. And just refuses to leave. That doesn't... And what do I know? That doesn't feel as plausible as... Them just stealing rigging it? Rigging the vote. Pulling a Brian Kemp? On a national level. By the way, if you want to get really depressed about this, because, hey, why not? That's the time we live in. It doesn't matter what happens on Election Day, because that's not how we elect the president. We elect the president when the Electoral College gets together and assigns their electoral votes to a candidate. And they don't have to vote how their state went. They absolutely don't have to. So you're saying that a state could go for Biden and the college forego the popular vote and just vote yes. Trump. But has that ever happened? Well, the problem with saying that is we've had three and a half years plus of that never happened before. And huh, that's a norm and not a requirement? Or, yeah, you know what? Fuck your law. We're not going to follow it. I don't know. I think it's more plausible than that, that a Brian Kemp style, just steal the election that way, voter suppression. Well, they've been working that for all along anyway. I mean, that's their wheelhouse. That's, that's been the long-term plan, yeah. That's a given. Yeah, with gerrymandering, closing election places. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. He keeps pushing about uh, absentee voting or, you know, mail-in votes. And if we're in the midst, and I assume we will be, still this virus, I felt safe going out for the um, primary one that we had because I was like uh, only one of three people in the building at the time. Yeah, but you don't live in East Atlanta <laughs> or the West End. You live in a predominantly white, well-to-do part of Cobb County. Your polling place was probably open. I, I just go out on a limb. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Know? But I'm saying, too, <laughs> that, you know, I have the, the luxury of working from home and be able to kind of pick the time to go in. You don't have a boss that's breathing down your neck because you were gone for a couple hours to go vote. I can't breathe down my own neck, so. 
So, yeah, so I, I think there's going to be a lot of that. I think even the period, let's say, that Biden does win the vote, I think the time, there's going to be scary times between November and when the keys are handed over in January, because Trump will just be off the rails entirely. You talk about lame duck, you know, it's going to be lame fuck. <laughs> Did you plan that line? Do you have that written down, like on a post-it? No, this is like a noggin knocker. No, nah, that's a good one. Funny, I saw articles this week, you probably saw them as well too, that was the exact opposite, where what's the chances that going into the election and he's down 15 points to Biden that he just walks away? Yeah, I've, I've seen people discussing that, that he's going to resign because he sees the writing on the wall and things like that. With his narcissism, won't let him go out on a on a you know, note like that. He doesn't want to be a loser. That's the worst thing for a he narcissist. He can't do it. Yeah, yeah, he can't. He can't. His, his ego couldn't take it. No, I think it's going to be a close race. I mean, I really do. Yeah, and I think we're going to be biting our nails even worse than uh, 2016. Well, for sure. <laughs> Did you think it was going to go the way it did in, in 2016? Hell no. Okay, so you're not going into 2016 the way you're going into 2020, not by a long shot. Okay, tomorrow's November 3rd. How are you going to spend election night evening? Under my covers, curled up like a baby. For real? Is, are, are, you gonna, <laughs> are you going to? Are you going to watch? Mm. You know what? I think. From 2016, no, I really don't think I want to watch. Don? I didn't watch 2016. Well, you won that night. I'll probably watch it and walk away from time to time, I'm sure. But I, I can't see I can't see sitting there and watching it for five, six hours straight or something. Well, and especially on the on the you know, the media, you know, the CNNs or MSNBCs or whatever, where they're always, you know, spinning stuff. To fill and they time. all got their new technology, and and they got the yeah. twelve-headed this no, and the eight-headed no. that. We still got and, you know, three precincts just... in Fulton County. No, I don't want to watch that shit. I mean, so if there's like a ticker thing on the on the internet that displays stuff without any commentary, maybe I'll peek in on that. But I, I just can't can't handle the stress. I think you're gonna watch, and I think I am too. You wouldn't watch early though, right? I don't. Ah. Uh... I mean, because really, to me, it doesn't make any sense until the major states have closed and you know added their numbers. No, that's actually that's actually a good point. It's not even worth paying attention to until l way later in the evening when things are closed. Like go out for dinner and then come home and turn it on at like eleven. Or something. Uh, you know what? I might have to have like two or three beers and then just fall asleep. <laughs> but I, but I wouldn't, you know. But on, on the same note, since 2016 was such a just a gig, I can't even like get words out. It was such a gigantic downer. Like I don't want to miss the moment where you see you really see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like I want to see a victory speech. I want to see a concession tweet. Oh jeez. I mean, I don't want to. I don't know if I. I don't know if I can miss Rigged. that. Rigged. You remember the picture of Obama shaking Donald Trump's hand? You remember? No, at the White House? Yeah, when, when after he won and first went to the White House and met with Obama and they were sitting in the chairs, everybody's taking pictures of him and they, and they shake hands. Yeah. Can you imagine that one with Biden? No. No. Shaking the hand of the guy who, who beat you? Well, in that case, it was just the transition of power between Obama because Obama wasn't running. But 
Oh, and you know I, what I mean. And I'm sure the White House is uh, just virus laden by this point too. So, <laughs> okay, that's enough of a downer now to think about. <laughs> it might be. It could actually be a positive, though. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying what I'm still nervous about is we've always been fairly good about the smooth transition of power. You know, we made a play of that when Obama turned the keys over to Trump. It ain't going to be that way at all this time, and especially with the dangerous Trump voters and the Q people. That's what is frightening me. We didn't have the off-the-leash fringe in 2016. Well, and plus they won. So I don't see this as being a smooth transition at all. And that's where I start to see where people that own guns and weaponry, that's where things are going to be a little bit nerve wracking. The other thing that would make me sleep a little bit better too, is if we won back the Senate, you know, like if McConnell got the hell out of there and, you know, a few of the others, and we got power back there we had true power where we could actually make some changes but you think the q people would actually and you know you think there'd actually be violence i bet if you took a survey of how many q people own weaponry it would be quite high a lot of them are you know also former tea partiers you know who also own weaponry so i think you would have some isolated cases but for the most part they're not organized enough for that they have some groups on the internet that they could become organized. I don't think so. They're too busy running for office. Yeah. Yeah, we saw that. There's what, like 30, 39 of them? Well, there was 58. There was a list of 58 people that Jerry texted me and you. And growing. That, well, actually, it was going down. Because of those 58, there was 39 that were still... Was it 39 that were still running or was there 39 that were out? I can't remember. But it was... Yeah, I think 39 are still in at this point. Most of them had either already lost in a primary or had backed out of the race. But didn't we also see something, how many people are already in government? So, I mean, they're already there. They're already influencing power. I don't think they would do anything. I'm actually less worried about them. I'm more worried about them actually winning. Like, can you imagine two members of Congress that are actually QAnoners? Well, I think there's people probably in Congress now that are sympathetic to Q. I think they just use them. If there's any believers, I don't think they've come out. But I think they, all the way up to the president, they dog whistle to him. Absolutely. It's a definitely a sol- solid base as far as being a, a vote. How lame is it for atheists that we're in 2020 and no one's dog whistling us because no. we don't believe and, and yeah. national figures across the Republican Party are dog-whistling QAnon, and they believe batshit crazy stuff. QAnoners have more power than atheists. It just sucks to say out loud. First time I thought it, too. Uh. How do you dog-whistle an atheist, though? I'll give you an example. Let's say, hypothetically, that the Supreme Court basically turned on its ear separation of church and state and said it's okay to give tax money to private schools, (laughs) church-run religious schools. What do you mean, let's say that happened? It it did happen. Let's pretend we live in a world where where, where that happened. Where it's that crazy. I didn't hear anyone talk about the rights of the non-faithful attached to this story. Not a syllable. They don't have to dog whistle. They could just put out a statement that I understand. 
No, it doesn't even have to be in code. It could be this goes against the Constitution. And I didn't hear anybody defending public schools. I didn't hear any. I definitely didn't hear anybody defending atheists. This is any private school, right? Any. It's not just religious private schools, but any private school, whether it's religious or not, can get. It's like a voucher system where, where you, you enroll your kid and now the state's going to pay that school a portion of the what it costs to, to send that kid there. Yeah, but I, I'll bet you anything, most private schools are Christian schools. No question. I could be wrong. Well, how accredited but... do you have to be? Or can eight Karens get together and form a school and keep the money? Uh, you, actually, you actually have that now in Michigan. Charter schools have, and, and where is Betsy DeVos from? Hmm. Michigan. <laughs> Michigan. So you already have low-level gutting of public education and charters popping up all over the place. You know, kind of get back to your question, Jeff. That's how they would dog whistle, and they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't think of the acronym, but the Q, like where we go one, we go all, their elevator pitch hashtag, they, they, they dog whistle that frequently. You know what? We don't even have a dog whistle. We need that. So we know when somebody's doing it to us. You know, something that I connected with this church-state thing being removed from schools, back in the day, this was the original evangelical dream. Back in the days of civil rights when they forced segregation or desegregation of the schools. Was to get religion in the schools? Well, no, no, no. I'm not talking—no. I'm talking about so you can have predominantly, if not all, white schools. And private schools— are primarily that. So they're getting through this what they wanted all along. The abortion thing was kind of a diversionary tactic. They picked up on it just to kind of get more Catholics to be part of the coalition and all that. But this was what it was about all along back when, you know, they forced uh, desegregation. So, you know, DeVos and all them getting their, their way. And the scary part about this, and I don't have kids, is that we're talking about schools starting up when? Well, it was supposed to be August 3rd. Now they're pushing it back to the 17th, I think, of August, so they can get their shit together. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No? You do not actually believe that. No, I mean for the the administrators and the teachers to get their shit together in preparation for what they're going to be doing. They could start at the beginning of October, and nothing is going to change. Nothing. What I'm suggesting is I think everybody was under the mindset that schools were going to open August 3rd or whatever with the option of you could either choose to be distance taught, you know, through video and all that kind of stuff, or if you wanted to send your kid into school to be taught in person, that that was another option. Are they going odd even days or something? Well, are they... they hadn't detailed that at all. Yeah, well, what's, what's the rush? There's no plan at this point? Because all I've heard is basically whatever the parent bitches about, they're like, okay, cool. You want them to stay home? Fine. Yeah. It's like they're just placating everything, and there's like no plan in place. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the only thing I could, I could figure out about the delay, because teachers have to go back at the same time, end of July, whatever that date was. That's still there. I mean, before they had like maybe a week lag time bet- between the teachers and the kids coming. And for the most part, they'll be in their own rooms or are they in meetings all day? You mean for when they come, when the teachers come back early? I, you know, I, I think part of it is, is you know, to kind of learn. Oh, cut the shit. What? Okay. Are you doing this to trigger me? What? You are. Doing what? 
You are you are you are <laughs> triggering me. You and Don got together before I hooked up and said, "This is how we're going to get him." You know that big rant he wrote. I'm going to get him. I'm going to I'm going to just I'm going to I'm going to poke him just enough to where like he can't ignore it. Thoughts, Jerry? I, there's no way you can think I'm not going to Jeff you, but I'd be shocked if you actually believed anything you just said or believe that any of it is going to happen. What I'm saying is they're looking at the same numbers we're looking at. The ones that are going up and up and up and up. Right. And so now that we, we're seeing that we are actually worse off now with the cases than we were in March when we shut things down. Because we opened up too early. Right. So I, I don't see you know any reasonable option for the schools but to do online learning. But that doesn't work. It was a giant ass fail. For many kids, yes. No, structurally, across the board, fail. Kids hated it. They couldn't stay engaged. I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to fail the whole class? At some point, you're like, fuck it, read a book, write a report. That's not even a quarter of it. You've got parents at home. They're the teachers now, basically. Right. They have to learn the program so they can answer the question that the kid has. That doesn't work. I've been working from home since March. I can't imagine being home with a third, fifth, and eighth grader. And that's the other complicated piece of this is they know that we're not going back to shutting down businesses. And so parents are going to need an option for child care. That has to be figured out as part of this as well. Jeff, are you kidding me? Do you honestly think that they have even considered for five seconds child care? This is the United States. Fuck your child care. You're on your own. That's one of the big kind of family secret that gets out. Nobody really talks about, but is the case, is schools are one giant child care factory so people can work. Right. But the schools know that and the parents know that. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a hidden secret. Well, yeah, absolutely it is because they've done nothing about it. You're putting parents in a lose, lose, lose situation. Either they don't have jobs, they might not want to go back because it's not safe, they can't send their kids to school, they send their kids to school, it's probably not going to be safe there. It, depending on where you work, you will, you will either get a... What was it that uh, somebody on Signal said today? Retire, quit, or be in the office. Yeah, and that's pretty much what the schools are saying to the teachers. Right, and parents, whatever the schools say, you're going to have to do. The other part of that, though, is at least at this point, and maybe that's one of the things they're going to figure out, they'll have to do it shortly here, is there is no mandate that the kids wear masks. Or I don't even know if, if the teachers have to. I can't remember that part. But the kids don't have to on the school bus or at school. And primarily the ones that are they're not going to wear masks. Well, I, first of all, I don't, I don't see younger kids like from kindergarten to third grade, maybe even older than that, wearing a mask anyway. Do you think that kids can't spread? That's my point is that's the scary part of this. But for real, this is a nation that cannot make hard decisions. Everything is controversial. There's always two sides or five sides. We're still fighting vaccines. The fact that you think that or could think that two weeks they are going to solve these problems is delusional. 
No, I didn't say they were going to solve it. I'm just saying that that gives more time. You know, at least uh, when they shut down in March, the teachers had no time to figure out the online learning shit. So at least if they give them an extra two weeks to get more organized on that, it might be slightly better. But again, I mean, we'll probably know more when this podcast drops. Yeah. You know. This podcast drops on Sunday. The day after that, it's six weeks yeah. to the 17th. So we'll know if I'm six weeks. full of shit or not. But I'm just saying that, that anybody that, that, you know, that, that looks at the graphs and sees where we are now compared to where we were in the middle of March – is like, you know, this is not a cut and dry, yeah, let's just open up the schools and all, they can all come back. It's not that simple right now. We're talking about six weeks, though. In the last few days, we had Lieutenant Governor of Texas going on TV, basically bad-mouthing Fauci. Not, not basically, straight up bad-mouthing him. To the governor of Texas requiring face masks. So, yeah. I mean, a lot can change in a number of days. No telling what can change in the next six weeks. Yeah. School could be literally called off or all distance learning in a matter of weeks before we ever get to that. If, if that's the case, you are failing the this generation of kids. Straight up. Well, the other choice is you send the kids to school. You literally send kids home on a daily basis that are asymptomatic and a certain number of people will die, period. A certain number of people will survive and that will be the new workforce. The fact that you put that out there and it's not immediately hooted down as crazy is insane. There are actuaries that, that I'm sure are studying this. I am positive that there, there's some actuary that can tell you, just open life back up again, how many people would die, how many people would catch it, survive, and then be able to go on, and those are the people that you can hire. Those are the hireable people going forward, and society goes on. I'm, I'm positive that there are people that have studied this. These, these are not unanswerable questions. I don't have the answer, <laughs> but they're out there. <laughs> But, I mean, that's kind of the question. If there's one death at the school, whatever school, due to this, what does what does that do? I mean, is that acceptable? That's the question. Is it acceptable or? One fourth grader dies because the school. Or a teacher. A, a lunch lady. You know, whoever. Doesn't matter. Why does it even have to be a death? As soon as a kid in a class tests positive, what are you going to do? Yeah, because then you know he's been spreading it to others in there. Or, or what if grandma... Or mom and dad, it's going to be more likely that it's a teacher or an elderly relative of one of these kids. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there are very few bus drivers under the age of 50. You're right, right. Yeah. And the kids don't have to wear a mask on there at this point. But even if they did, you spend 45 minutes on a bus and then go in and sit in a room that you can't open a window and you spend half the day there. With half the amount of kids, but still in a petri dish. Mm -hmm. How is that possibly going to work? Well, and here's here's the other thing that Katie brought up that's kind of food for thought as well. So let's say a teacher found out that somebody in her family tested positive for the virus. Now, that teacher then should be isolated. Quarantined. Quarantined for two weeks, right? And then now, what if during this time, the teacher ends up testing positive and getting corona. Now, that's another two weeks before that teacher can come back. So that's a month. First of all, you know, do they, they don't have that much personal time or, you know, sick time to be able to do that. Secondly, is where are you going to get all these substitute teachers to fill in? Oh, yeah. Who's going to be willing to come in and do that? Right. Yeah. 
under these kind of conditions. So, hey, Jeff, you want to teach science today? Uh uh. I'll do a Zoom call and teach media literacy. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) Tom (laughs) County, hit me up. So I just kind of wonder if 2020 is going to be like the the year of no learning. That yes, we realize this is detrimental in the grand scheme of things, but it's one year. Hopefully, no more. It's although it's going to probably be more than one year, um, because the the, the you know the uh, the vaccine thing is a whole another can of worms that uh, I'm starting hey, to see hey, Jeff, go south. Jeff, hmm? yep. there is no vaccine. No, there'll be a vaccine. We won't be able to. No, we won't be able to get it. I'll give you a one out of two on that, and I will go way more negative. They're not going to be a vaccine. Well, even if there is, there's issues because, and I'll give a, a early, quick recommendation. Explain coronavirus on Netflix. It's three episodes, and one of the things they were talking about on that is even if there was a vaccine, in order to get a herd immunity, you'd have to have sixty percent of the population of the Earth with the vaccine. So you're talking 60% of, let's round it off, between 7 and 8 billion people. So we have never, ever developed 5 billion of a vaccine. And that's if it's a single dosage. If it's double oh, dosage, yeah. now you're talking, you know. Right, right. <laughs> you're, you're talking 8 to 10. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's never happened. We don't have enough glass, the type of glass that you need to have in order to store a vaccine. We don't have enough. There's a glass shortage. Of that type All right, of so that's what I've so, heard is it'll be rationed. Yeah, even if there is a vaccine, there will be a vaccine. I mean, I'm, I'm. You owe me you know. a six pack already. I will redo this bet every Wait. quarter. What? Every I, I will double down Wait. on this as long as you would want. Give them the facts. What, what was the date that there needed to be a vaccine, or he lost a, 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 a... end, of, end. I was going to say end of last month, but it's July, end of May. No, not for vaccine. I didn't say anything about a vaccine until uh, early 2021. I think what our bet was you're talking about was the um, antibody test. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think he may have you on technicality on that one. No, I, I never would. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking. I'm on your side, Jeff. I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, you, that, I, I think you're right. I think that was the bet. Yeah, yeah. So I would have never that, said the vaccine. The one that doesn't work. Effective. That an one? effective antibody test. They have them. Right. They have it. The, the ones that. Don't, oh, so that's it. So, so. You, no, even no, a no. shitty test, no, I, you win? No, huh. no, I agreed that I lost the uh, antibody test because I said I was going to have one. But then I saw, you know, yes, they have antibody tests, but there's none of them that I, re- you know, that uh, are purported to be super And accurate, by the way, so. I give you credit because this was a bet that if you said it's an antibody test, it's there, I win, but you actually have scruples because right. you're a... That I was going to take it. Yeah, but I former many religions. You have you have atheist scruples. As moderator, I say the two of you decide on a four pack that y'all both like and split it. Fuck you, man. I want to win. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can formulate a four pack of some really awesome IPAs that I think Jerry would enjoy. So I'm down. I would contribute to the cause as always. But there there there's not <laughs> first of all, there's there's not gonna be a vaccine. There's just not. I think there is, but I don't think it's going to happen in 18 months like people are talking about. Everybody, for some reason, keeps throwing around 18 months. I don't know where that number comes from. There's a lot of people that are working on them. But still, to this day, the fastest vaccine we have ever developed was four years. China has a vaccine now. China does not have a vaccine. They're testing one on their unwitting military. Yeah, they're in the testing stage, and they're going to push through the... Te- That's the idea, is normally it takes close to a decade 
in order to have a vaccine come to market. But we don't have a decade. So the only way that you can speed it up is to just cram it through the testing stage. And a lot of people are going to get sick and a lot of people are going to die. Maybe not a lot, but people are going to get sick and people are going to die from a hurried testing schedule. That's why the Chinese military... But I don't see it going from 10 years to 18 months. Look, that shows how different they are. What do you think that test wasn't voluntary? Hell no. <laughs> no chance. Do they even have that word in the Chinese military? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're conscripts or there's a draft, but they certainly will not have the ability to say no. Yeah, and, no, no, and, no, no. And That's definitely not in the military handbook. Here's how that influence is corrupting on us because... Let's say, well, we don't have to because this is what's happening. They are basically force-feeding a certain segment of their military this vaccine in order to own the vaccine, beat the market, and get their people safe first. You can't tell me that the capitalist goons over here aren't going to go, well, look at all those FDA regulations that we couldn't test on human subjects so quickly because we're so afraid. It's the deep state preventing the capitalist system from truly thriving with your regulations, stopping people from potentially dying during tests. Yeah, but the anti-vaxxers, you know, you think they're going to want something that's rushed oh, yeah, to even market? even when they come out with a vaccine, it's going to be Bill Gates wants to put a chip in your body. That's not going to change. It's not new. And this vaccine, they're not going to be any more predisposed to take this vaccine that is not nearly as tested as the ones that have been rigorously tested for decades. They won't take those. There's no way they're going to do a new one. None. No, these people won't wear masks. You think it'll let somebody stick a fucking needle in their arm? That's a good question. I have not seen a story or a correlation between anti-vaxxers and mask wearing. Yeah, it's it's the same side oh, of the coin. Absolutely. Think so? Oh, I don't. The the non-mask wearers and the and the anti-vaxxers? I think it's the same mindset. The super liberal people in West Asheville where all those kids got sick. Uh, oh, I mean, you know what? A lot of the problem is when when you think about things on a horseshoe instead of a circle. Because eventually, if you go far enough right, you end up left, and far enough left, you end up right. It, it's not a horseshoe. It's a circle. And and on the other side of the circle, the anti-vaxxers. And you can get there from two different paths. Boom. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you read that tweet? Because that's like 140 characters of wisdom. <laughs> but anti-vaxxers, they're... they're kind of a, a rainbow coalition of believers because there are definitely people, anti-vaxxers, that w- would scoff at QAnon. Oh, yeah. And there are QAnon anti-vaxxers, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of overlap between the non-maskers and the anti-vaxxers. There's probably some there. But everything's become political, no matter what it is. So yeah, but if, mask wearing's become political. Uh, absolutely, a vaccine's going to become political. Like I saw a thing that basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, all we had to do is be relatively civil to each other, and we failed miserably. That's all it would have taken. But, you know, no, couldn't couldn't do that. Sorry. Well, I mean, the term that the Trump administration is using for this vaccine thing called warp speed, that's not very comforting to anybody that's, that's currently an anti-vaxxer. Are you shitting me? 
Are you actually going to take anything they say halfway seriously? Who says? Anything that administration says. No. Anything. What what part of this are you talking about? I'm I'm saying just that term there kind of is is a flag. Is like so we're going to bypass a lot of the typically you know safety valve kind of things like the FDA, which we've done on things and and found out that didn't work so well. Like on the testing, you know, where the FDA took the limits off to anybody can make a test, and then we found out that most of the tests produced were full of shit. So. Yeah, I mean, this this warp speed thing, I think, just does not give a lot of confidence to people that were leery about vaccines to begin with. That's that's my point. I know we had at least one person here in America that's taken a vaccine because I saw an article, a woman in Seattle. Oh, no, there's just a lot more than that here, yeah. That was the only one I think we heard about. But, no, there's, there's, there's some pretty aggressive programs going on if you listen to some of the TWIV podcast this week in virology that's the one that i recommended before yeah you keep suggesting that one to me and i haven't uh... they do see some good advancements coming along in vaccines but they also talk about the problems of distribution oh yeah not, absolutely. not just in in you know the shortage of vials and things like that but you know and the production capabilities yeah it's, you can only make so many vials right and that's, that's where they see you know and we've never cranked out more than a million does the pharma industry do this podcast no people talk about a vaccine like it's the savior that's exactly why atheists should bristle against it because there is no savior well, it it will be it, not if you can if you can't get it. Not uh, well. Then we're using that term the wrong way. That I mean, but people say, hey, there's going to be a vaccine in 18 months. You think that means you line up and get it in 18 months? Even if they get it, breakthrough, breaking news. How'd that breaking news thing go again? I want to hear that. The Trump administration is pushing that bullshit, which a lot of people are, are counting on. And that's why they think, well, we can open up, you know, the economy oh, now. because come this on, Jeff. Come on. What? Do you, I mean, you. What? Uh, what? Look, you're acting like they actually have a policy thought. Like they give a shit about any of that. No, it's all a facade, just like he was doing a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a news thing today on the economy. It's it's all whistles and balloons. It's it's all fabrication. But he's doing everything to keep his base in line, that he's the guy that has a solution. Biden does not. And so that's why he keeps creating this false hope that we're going to have vaccine by the end of the year, early part. But he's, you know, if you listen to the expert, it's like, yeah, we may have a vaccine that's been tested and, and may work, but distribution, that ain't happening. I think it's time for another wager. No. Give me the year, the month and the year when there will be an approved vaccine, not something that eases the symptoms. No, I'm not talking therapeutics. Right. I'm talking vaccine. I would say first quarter of 2021. Okay, sure. You got all the you got all the way to the end of March. I'm saying that one will be developed that has been proven to be effective. By what country? Mm, oh, jeez. If you would say China? No, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm I'm not saying. Yeah, I would exclude. By a country them other than China, I'll give you the rest of the world. I'll give you the field. I give you the whole field. <laughs> now, I could, I could totally underestimate the cravenness of a nation 
that announces something like that just to make a lot of money. That's my risk in this is, first of all, there's not going to be a vaccine, period. Okay. Have, have you listened to the TWIV podcast yet? No. And the way okay. you talk about it, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, now, now, I, that, now right. that said, that loud. I watched you know. the entire kind old English guy YouTube video. I watched the whole thing, like 15 minutes. You did better than me. Well, I thought his style was great. Yeah. He was a little too believing. I, I'm I'm definitely more on the, I mean, shocking, the cynical side or the uh, suspicious side. No. Yeah, just a little, Don. Just a little. You don't say. <laughs> and he's even got, like, fans. Has he has he advocated taking vitamin D? Uh, I, I don't recall. I, mean, I haven't been watching his stuff for a long time. I don't know if he's covered that in his podcast or not. But. In the pictures at the end of the, like, the fan pictures, a lot of them are holding... Costco vitamin D containers. Hmm. So it definitely made me think that he had talked about the efficacy of vitamin D or how vitamin D could could help you against this virus. And that I thought was kind of interesting. So I'm not going to crap on the virology podcast any more than I already have. No, but- well, and, and the reason you should not <laughs> is these guys are experts in the field. They are trained virologists, microbiologists, and they get people on the podcast that are the key players in this stuff. So these are not, these, and, and they try to be as, as apolitical as possible. From time to time, they do get into it because it's like, well, okay, if, if politics is going to step on science, you know, then we have to kind of step back a little bit. Yeah. I hate to break it to them, but that ship sailed a long time ago. But they're trying to give you the information as honest as possible. They also, are, you know, are humble enough to know that you know thing is changing. You know, things are changing constantly as we learn more and more. So they're willing to update their stances as they learn more information. I'm I'm just saying that you know if you listen to that, and I would encourage you to to listen to it. Fine. They're the ones that give me some confidence, two-sided coin kind of thing. Yes, there probably will be high probability there would be a viable vaccine early 2021. But they also understand because of the capitalist, you know, uh, tinge to these pharmaceuticals and the politics that are involved, it's going to be probably a fucked up mess to get it to the people that need it. Because they also realize, too, that these poor countries are going to be left out. And and like you were saying earlier, unless you get widespread global vaccines, you're not rid of the virus. Where is this confidence coming from? Because they know the science. Because all these people were involved in like the... The, the, um, the successful AIDS vaccine? Well, no, no. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing, because that was bogged down because of capitalism Bullshit. also. You think huh? so? You think that you think yep. if there was an AIDS vaccine available, because that would actually be gigantically scandalous, is that they actually could develop an AIDS vaccine, but they didn't because it's better to keep a certain segment of the public on it so we can sell them even way more expensive drugs. Right. Yeah, they figured that the, the therapeutics were as good as it could. No, no, seriously. Yeah. But do you th- do you actually think that if so, that's honestly more cynical than I ever would have gone. But now that you kind of mention it, it wouldn't surprise me. 
It really, it really wouldn't surprise me. I mean, what's driving now is because it's a global, you know, it's like this could affect everybody. So could AIDS. Where, no, but they, it was always kind of brought off to the, the gay community. Mm. So, you know. That's a giant ass rabbit hole. But if making a vaccine was so easy, then AIDS is so difficult that they haven't been able to figure anything out since the 80s. But for this, this pandemic that basically stopped the earth on its axis. Well, exactly. By the first, That's what by I'm the saying. first quarter of next year, they're going to figure out this disease when they couldn't really figure out whether or not we should wear a fucking mask in this country, at least. And I realize that's the politics until March. No, they knew early on that we should have been masking. But like hell, they did. Fauci was saying that masks weren't weren't effective. Surgeon General no, said it. He, he also, CDC but he said also it. admitted he said it one time and, and they glammed onto it and they've been banging that drum ever since. But he still said it. And he wasn't the only one. And the, well, the I think the WHO also. Yeah, they were wrong. They were flat right. out wrong. And they have really been reticent to come to grips with that because they were wrong. Flat out. When did he say that, though? How long ago I was that? I think the last time was how in much February. Has since then? Okay. At, at the beginning of all this, he went, I don't want to say off script, but he ad-libbed. Did not about, ad-lib. You know, we, we Did don't not know. ad-lib. CDC we said the same thing. We know a lot more now than we know from C- February. CDC right? said the same thing. Surgeon Ge- same time. Surgeon General said it. Okay, February. But wait, but did they say that masks are not effective or did they say we don't know if masks are effective? I'm pretty sure it was the former. And one of, the things what I understand, that one of the things that they're saying now is that they needed to preserve the mask inventory for medical professionals. Which is absolutely which true. Which absolutely because, you know, sounds like it came out of a PR shop. A hundred percent feels that way. Once the thing hit in March, these places said no inventory. Don't, you know, don't count on ordering until at least and this is in March, until at least July, September. So, yes, there was a run on the commonly used masks. And it wasn't until they did a little, little bit more research on cloth masks that they discovered, yes, those things are effective. Everybody was kind of basing on the N95 as being the, the, you know, the mask to go to, and that's what everybody was buying up. I thought we were the facts people. I thought we were the ones that dealt in facts and dealt in reality. But this sounds like a ton of excuse making for well-meaning people who made, for whatever reason, giant public errors in communicating about this condition and how to fight it. Oh, absolutely. If you remember, there was a, an N95 manufacturer in Texas. I, I, I get it. But he said it. And the CDC said it. And, this, wait, and, wait, and, the, and the Surgeon General said it. What did they say? Who cares? Who cares? But they said it in February. A lot has transpired since February. Right, right. I mean, a lot has transpired in the last week. Absolutely. And then you're talking about, yeah, they said it in February. If you're still glamoring on to what somebody said in a speculative motion early on. What am I supposed to trust you then? Particularly 
when you are when you when you're telling me or you're telling the populace what they should and shouldn't do, I am not defending. Don't take this as a defense of the people that won't wear masks or you know you're impinging on my freedom types. Not at all. Everyone should wear a mask. Indoor places are are way more dangerous. The schools thing is hopeless. But the people in charge were wrong. Okay, but let me interject this. My understanding is at that time, and you know, because we had no experience with this kind of a broad virus before, this dangerous of a virus before. So the the only technology we had up until that point was these N95s, which is what the hospitals used, and so they were designed specifically... Which is your basic dust mask. Well, but it's more than that. I mean, it specifically has electrostatic properties and all that. So it's not just for vapor or for a droplet and stuff like that, but it goes down to the viral level. So at the time, that was a technology that everybody's aware of. That was the thing that everybody was glomming on to early on that we were running out of that the health professionals couldn't get enough of. The science on cloth masks was a little bit slow in coming out. I don't remember people, especially in Asia, where they were wearing masks, you know, wearing cloth masks. That is something that it took a little bit to catch up with the science. They had to do some studies on that to find out, and, and there was a number of those that I that I saw on the internet. But there's been people in parts of Asia that have been wearing yes, masks but not, for but years. But cloth masks is what I'm saying. That was, that oh, okay. was the difference. That was something that you didn't have to worry about manufacturing shortages, and you know, because you could you can make something you could wear a bandana, double yeah, it over. Everybody's got something. They got a scar right. for a bandana. But of course you or, wouldn't want to you, know, you wouldn't want to suggest that that was going to help you unless you had some science behind it. So I think once it's less effective. I mean, it's more effective than nothing. Yes, but I'm saying that that since that time, there's been a lot of studies that show it is super effective. In fact, I saw an article today that talked about a test where they saw it dropped it almost to zero. People that were wearing masks, both wearing masks, not just one person, both people wearing masks, it dropped the transmission to about zero. So we're learning more and more about, because this virus is super unique. It's not your typical flu virus. Typically, they're all unique, but that's another issue. I want to get back to your Fauci statement. Okay. Two ways that you could look at this. That Well, hold on a second. First of all, you're always shitting on the New York Times for both sides and everything, so... Now you're going to both sides everything? Yeah, you know what? Let, let me be Mike Barbaro for a moment. Mmm. 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 We'll be right back. There's two things that I see that could have caused Fauci to say what he did. Either he genuinely believed that, and it turned out to be um, inaccurate after new research and you know, new con- new medical consensus, or he lied. He lied straight up because he was trying to preserve a supply chain. Okay, so I snoped this. So this is from March 2020. There's a clip from 60 Minutes, and this is where this all kind of came from. His statement was, right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You should think of healthcare providers who are needing them and people who are ill. He's not talking about the efficiency of a mask. Don't go and buy up masks because it's more important that the doctors have the masks and the first responders have the masks than you have the masks. Right. And that's kind of what I was saying, too. As things 
changed and they found out that cloth masks were effective, then it's like, okay, that makes sense. He also said that they made people feel better, but were pretty much pointless. Where did he say that? He didn't say it on 60 Minutes, but he said it. You could duck, duck, go that. And look, he is the consistent voice of reason. The adult in the room. But they made mistakes on this. Very public ones. Haven't really mea culpa too much on them. Fauci, the, the medical establishment, the Surgeon General, the CDC, they have all evolved. But to me, at least, haven't always come clean about it. Now, the CDC, they got the administration thumb on them which obviously is bad for public health. But uh, unfortunately, probably way too deep a rabbit hole. But when they talk about a vaccine being ready in the first quarter of, of next year, I have no faith. That's why I don't get that from the administration. I don't believe a sh single word that they say. And that's why I listen to people that are experts in the field that are watching what's going on. Where are they getting this information from? Like for real. From the scientific peer-reviewed papers that are these companies are putting out. These, these guys are experts in the field, too, so they have input as to if it's bullshit or not. And, and so they've questioned, you know, certain companies' vaccines. They, you know, they see others that might have more possibilities than others. These are the people I would much rather rely on than anybody, including Fauci, although I'd like to believe him. But these guys are not in government. Ah, because they're not in government? You believe them more? That's actually the reason to believe them less. Not under this administration. They've interviewed people from within the CDC and stuff like that. I'm not, I don't mean it that, I mean the administration, you know, that, that's being filtered and, and used for political reasons. I think it's probably safe to say that you, maybe as a general rule, but especially about this, are far more hopeful. I'm on the other end of the spectrum. His glasses are far more rose-colored. No, 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 uh, no. Again, because these guys also will tell you that distribution of this, especially under the way things are going right now, it's going to be long. The virus is going to be with us for a while. It's not like in the third. It's not like in the first quarter of 2021 that we got it solved. So that's a that's an excellent question because I'd love to know. I would love to be able to circle a month on a calendar <laughs> I mean, for real yeah and, and i don't really care what year but i'd love to know because i don't and i don't think you do and no one else does when we're going to get out of it because we have had this fantasy land a few months this a vaccine that a we're going to get back to normal this none of that none of it has happened and we don't seem any closer than we were when this started. Right. And the reason why is because, you know, people are in denial of the scientific community. And that's why you have so many people out there that still are not wearing masks. Um, we could talk about Herman Cain, you know, local famous politician that went president. to a Trump rally without a mask. He's got many pictures posted and, and videos posted. He was fed up. Yep. Fed up with the mask, and uh, wow. A lot of people were Interesting. fed up. Interesting. He just came down with the COVID and was hospitalized. What? 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 And can't figure out exactly <laughs> where he got the virus. It's like... So the dunk aside, what about that dynamic makes you think we're going to be out of this ever? Exactly. That's my point, is the science will be there. There will be a solution 
oh, that is available. Oh, such faith, not, such faith you have. Uh, it, it, Jeff, I'm not doing this to troll you, but there are, are things trolling. There are things that are that are out of reach of our scientific and technological genius. And for some reason, a lot of people think that it's a given that we're going to be able to conquer this virus like we have others. But there have been cases, obviously, like AIDS, where we never did, never. Right, but we were, but we were saying that, you know, unless there's capitalistic uh, incentive. Yeah, but Jeff, don't, but the capitalistic incentive is to not cure it. The capitalistic incentive is to sell is to keep people selling therapeutics, right? Very expensive maintenance drugs. Right, like the rem remdesivir. That keeps you on, but keeps you on them forever. Forever. Because once you get it, you never stop taking some type of drug. And as you guys all know, and probably most of our audience does, the older you get, usually the more pills you end up taking. So there is not there is not an incentive to produce a vaccine. The, that, that vaccine may be out of reach for us to actually fix. This vaccine could be the same. There's no guarantee that we have a solution for, like, like why don't we have a vaccine for cancer? That's a far more complicated disease than, than, a, than a virus is. We know a lot about viruses. If There's we do, then why can't we solve this one? And why yeah. haven't I mean, we don't really, we don't even solve flu. We mitigate it. No, right. I mean, because flu mutates, so you have to keep coming out with a new vaccine and a new vaccine. Right. And then the other issue with flus is very few people, uh, as a percent of the populace, take the vaccine. I think it's like less than 30% of the people. And, you know, I, I never took it until a couple of years ago. That virus is far less contagious, far less lethal. This is both of those things. Yeah, the flu never shut down the economy. This one shut down the economy. And that's why I'm saying there's definitely incentive to figure this out. And so that's why I think mm. there's so many companies and there's governments that are investing into, Ours? you know, paying for uh, supposedly, I don't, you know, I don't know how much I believe in that or not, but supposedly where they're buying to help the companies offset that expense that so if it works, they already have, you know, supplies built up on it. But distribution will be another another issue. And that's why I keep going back to the point is, yes, I think the science is going to solve this, but capitalism will fuck it up. I don't think science is gonna. Well, and not just, not just, not just capitalism, but people's biases and lack of willing to learn facts. But that's not a good case because the facts have evolved greatly in a few months. Which facts am I supposed to believe? The latest facts? Facts on what? Which, which facts? About the virus. Wh what in particular? We have watched the facts on this evolve in real time. So if you wanted to be a cynic... It's a novel virus, so of course we're learning on the fly. I get it. But, but when you say it like that... The last thing you say automatically is not true because every time we've we've thought we've known something, then we know a little bit more. We find out something else, and well, we are we are learning. Uh, and, you know, like one of the things that's, uh, you know, I guess if you want to look at it as a positive, 
is the death rate on, on those that come down with it is been held down. And that's because they have found out different techniques. You know, the science, the, the hospital, the medical community has, has learned of treatments and methods and things that have improved. Well, how much of that is due to the fact that younger and younger people are coming down with it? No, no, I'm saying that they have more because they've done autopsies, so they found out how um, you know the virus impacts different parts of the body. So they're learning more and more. So yes, early on in in March, the death rate was quite yeah, high. Yeah, and early on, we were putting a lot. They were putting a lot more people on ventilators. Right, right. right. And now they're finding out that that may not be the Weiss's exactly. course. Exactly. There's other ways to. to exactly. To, that is my point. The well, facts on this ways to do it. are yeah. are are evolving which is, can be looked at no, as, as progress. No. I, no, I would disagree. The facts aren't changing. Our awareness of the facts are what's changing. No, the, the, I mean, the, we, the, the, like, we, yeah. We, no, I mean, we, the ventilators. The virus has look, had its own. Um, we did not decide to, that we did not, back in the, how many months ago was it? Really wasn't that long ago when there was the ventilator shortage and they were commandeering GM factories or not right, right. to make ventilators yep. because everybody needed to be on a ventilator. And then some point after that, it was like, you know, people on ventilators don't do as well as people that do this and this and this. That's and what they, I'm but, saying but, is because initially we thought, you yeah, know, or scientists a, thought, whatever. The facts are changing. No, the facts are not changing. <laughs> Their awareness of, of the facts are changing. Right. You could say it's awareness. You could put any type of frosting on it. It's not a frosting. It is. Because the facts at the time, the medical belief, which they would probably call the facts as we know them, were much more pro-ventilator, and now they're not. That's a big change, a big change in how it's treated. Yeah. But... The fact that the, and a positive change, it's a positive change, but it shows you how much we don't know. So when you hear people talking about putting dates on the medical knowledge, you know, are you the same people that talked about ventilators? Are you the same people that said don't wear a mask? We have never done a vaccine this fast, uh, I, yeah, especially okay. for something so deadly. But there are similarities between viruses, and I, I don't know, you know, I don't know all the scientific words behind it, but they, they know if they disrupt certain parts of this virus, you know, that's how you can build up immunity. I mean, so, so there, there are things that, that I think, you know, we're on to that will help us deal with that part. How it affects the body, you know, once it gets a hold of you, that's what they're learning more and more about, how you can immunize against a virus, there's a lot of similarities. They're a very simple structure. I mean, there's not a lot. There's not a lot to them. So, not too long ago, might have been today, that Fauci said that it's mutating already. I hadn't heard that. That it's mutating, and that may make it easier to transmit. It's already. <laughs> but the facts or the knowledge is changing. We don't know. Yeah, shit. facts are not changing. Well, if it's mutating, the facts are changing. What it was is not what it is. I don't know. I guess it's depending on how you're how you're defining fact. Facts. And the facts a month ago may not be the facts today. Yeah, and I just realized 
where you were coming from. But when somebody like Fauci or the medical establishment speaks, they don't give you a disclaimer. They don't always give you a disclaimer. There are times when they say that, that they couch things and they say that we're not totally sure, but this is what we believe. The short story, super long, I am starting to wonder if there's not going to be a cap on this shit show. What do you mean a cap? I don't think there's going to be a vaccine. I think that there will probably be multiple really expensive options to mitigate symptoms. It feels like this virus is outside the reach of science. That's my that's my belief because AIDS certainly was. Polio, measles, smallpox, all those things that we ingeniously eradicated. We did for a while. We did until people started going crazy. But we haven't fixed every medical problem. And there is no guarantee that this one is going to be within our grasp. If that's the case, what is life like with this always hanging over us? Because nobody wants to think that. What percentage of all living creatures that have ever walked the earth are now extinct? 90-something percent. What makes us think we're special? I mean, the odds are really stacked against us. And not just that we're special, but everything we know, all of our systems, electricity, roads, functioning governments, economies that provide enough comfort to enough people that there's not constant upheaval everywhere. I'm trying to put myself in, in the mind of my kids or somebody in college or somebody in their 20s. From my age, I look at things in a much shorter window than I did when I was 20. My bummer is, damn, I'm missing the last good years before I'm being wheeled into the home. The empty nest years. Like the kids move out, you got the place to yourself. She converts one bedroom into something, you convert the other bedroom into something. But you go out and travel and see the world. And If you're lucky enough to be in the position to do it, this is the time. You know what? Done my child raising for the most part. Now it's my time. These are the best years of your life. If you're lucky, if you're in your 20s, what, what? Yeah, what's the future? Yeah. How are you looking at the world? What kind of job opportunities even are there right now? Mm. Graduating, yeah, graduating seniors are... were definitely dealt a bad hand. Oh, yeah. We're in July, and the cases are worse than ever. There have been three restaurants here in the last week that basically said, that's it, we're done. Closed for good. For good, for good. The list is getting longer, and... I'm not sure how they stay in business when positives are, are spiking. The restaurant industry is, is run on such a tight margin to begin with. It's Other than the very recent, all of a sudden everyone's on the masked bandwagon after fighting it for months. What's going to change? I, I don't see any of it changing. Yeah, I don't know if their sales pitch is going to take hold. Kemp is going around the state doing his wear a mask campaign thing. So you can go see the dogs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not about it's not about saving lives. It's about going to see football. It's about hunkering down, son. Well, but you know, for some people, that's how you got to sell it because it's not about it's not about others. Are you giving credit to Kemp for some messaging genius? Uh, well, I'm just saying that you know to talk to people where they live. Yeah, if that's what it takes, maybe that'll we'll we'll see if that takes root or not. But so is that a I'm win? Not putting a whole lot, you know, we'll see. No, no, we'll if, see if, how many how many. If that line of 
to me, obvious BS works oh, yeah. to get people to wear masks. Are, are you going to consider that a win? Yeah. If more people wear masks and that brings the number down, whatever. I would just like to see more people wearing fucking masks out there. I reluctantly agree. Ah, all right. Look, because from a kind of purity of heart standpoint, you're totally right. But he's been so awful for so many months to all of a sudden turn on a dime, not even admit, but just disingenuously all of a sudden change his tune. It has a positive result. I guess I got to grip my teeth and accept the positive result. On that note, I feel it's recommendations time. Jerry, you got one. I have several. Uh-oh. Um, so, and they're all podcasts because you don't got anything to do these days than listen to podcasts. <laughs> and ironically, podcast listenership is down 20% across the board. I know why. It's obvious. Because most of them are depressing? No, because they're not commuting. Nope. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, and, and particularly if you're at home and if you have kids, you don't have time. So with that knowledge, I'm going to give you three. So I don't listen to too many of the spinoffs from Crooked Media, but their podcast on the VP selection process was terrific. And I think it's a series. Oh, who, which, it was which one Pfeiffer is that? Pfeiffer and Alyssa Mastromonaco. And it was more insightful about... The whole process of picking a VP, super, it was, it was interesting because I'd never heard it anywhere before. Highly recommend that podcast, particularly as the who will Biden pick speculation ramps up. Did we talk about the, the UFO podcast on last week's show? I can't remember. No, uh-uh, no. Nope. No, we did not. I, I was about to remind you of that. That was one thing that you were looking at recommending, and that was something that all three of us listened to and was and extremely all three of us probably looked at it and said, why would I listen to that? Pass. It was fantastic. Very insightful. That was Ezra Klein. What was the name? Of, what's the name of that podcast? The Ezra Klein the Show. Ezra Klein Show, I think. Yeah. I believe it is. But super interesting. Like, I had no idea that Purgatory was an actual place in Ireland. crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those, you yeah, wait, you got to be shitting me. Right, yeah. It's interesting on a lot of levels. Yes. Great listen. And the last one. Yep. Hmm? Anytime that you have an interview with somebody who mentions Jediism, which is the religion of the Jedi from Star Wars, in a passing phrase and doesn't expound on it, it's, it's, it's a good listen. So last one is the Chris Hayes with Pod interview with a former New York cop and former chief of police in Burlington, Vermont, about policing and big city police departments. The guy's uh, name is Brandon Del Pozo. It is a fascinating interview and a fascinating insight into policing because obviously that's a huge topic these days. How should the cops operate or should there be cops or yeah defunding yeah what does that mean yeah he does not favor that but this is also a guy that has a doctorate in philosophy in addition to a giant list of academic achievements but he's still a cop so it really speaks insightfully on all the problems it's not like something that the blue lives matter 
would just bristle at or the defund people kind of makes both extremes acknowledge their own bullshit. Hmm. But it's really good. I highly recommend it. And that's called uh, Why Is This Happening? Yeah. Is that what he calls yep. his podcast? With yeah, Pod. yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, piggyback on that real quick. There was a really good, go ahead and cringe, Jerry, pre-cringe, daily about a week and a half ago with, it was probably a 50-minute interview with a police union guy with Michael mm. Navarro that was mm. extremely good. Uh, I would recommend that as well, too. Okay, I saw that one. Every time you recommend the daily, I would listen to him. So you're talking about a conversation <laughs> with a police union leader. Yeah, it was a, a really good episode. And it dealt very deeply into the whole uh, recent mm. shooting here in Atlanta. Mm. Hmm. And you, you don't remember yeah. exactly I'm just going to Barbaro you. Mm. I do not remember what day it was, but I want to say it was today is Thursday the what? Second? The second. It was within the last week and a half of today. I'll, we'll post I'll, the I'll link. I, it was not this week. I know it was not this week. It was last week sometime. I don't know what day. But it was a good 50-minute daily. And that's a usually a 20-minute show. So my recommendation is I'm currently reading a book, of course. Um, I listen to podcasts, too, but I do read some books. This one is um, White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism by Robin D'Angelo. I'm maybe a quarter of the way through it, but I've I've seen her speak on podcast interviews and such. So, you know, I think what she's doing is, is pretty eye-opening stuff that we need to, to hear. Um, and it's kind of piggyback. We were talking about Louis Giglio. Was it last podcast we were get him the grief because that's a perfect example about white fragility is because he had to rename white privilege. Now there's a second author on that book as well. Yeah, Michael too. Eric Dyson, who I've not really heard of. I'm not quite sure what his contribution. Oh, you don't watch MSNBC then. Or Bill Maher. Oh, he's on Bill Maher all okay. the time too. Well, I thought the Dyson, I heard that before, but I didn't, I didn't make the connection. He's a pretty so. accomplished academic. Oh, okay. He talks like an, uh, a preacher though. Big time. Huh? Yeah, who am I writing an email to? Well, let's have the sheriff of Clay County. Come. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let me get my email for Giglio. I'll send Giglio one. Giglio, yeah. yeah. We need to go to his church. His church is Wait, open no, no, now. No, we, go, go right ahead. No, 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 no. We're, we'll you go live when stream it's safe it. to go. We're not going when it's no, open. We can just sit go. in the back we'll and wear a mask. And bring... No, no, we ain't doing no, that. No, 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 no. Uh, no, no. Louie wouldn't Pump steer us wrong. Pump your brakes on that. We'll go. We're not going anytime soon. Correct. All right. We'll go. We'll okay. go when the, when the vaccine right. is out. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag never. <laughs> See you, everybody. <laughs>
Sumo. 